Hi guys, welcome back to my so-called midlife podcast. I'm Jennifer and this is episode 64. Update. It was a busy week. It was a really busy week at work. We had some um, higher ups visiting from out of town and they came in later in the week. So the first half of the week was kind of preparing for their visit. And then, you know, uh, the two days while they were here, just very, very hectic. As you guys know, I told you, there was some restructuring, um, you know, things at work in the beginning of the year. And that kind of continues. So we're all just kind of getting to know new people, new bosses, new people in in different positions. And it was stressful. It went well, though. Um, They they seemed, you know, like they like what they saw. So that's good. Um, And then I just was like, very off, I guess, emotionally all week. Not quite sure why, (laughs) Uh, which is unusual. I mean, sometimes it takes some time, but I can pinpoint why. Um, But most of the week, I just kind of felt emotional, on edge, at times a little angry or annoyed, and couldn't really figure out why. So that kind of coupled with the stress at work. It was a busy week. Um, Oh, if you follow me on Instagram, you saw that I made a purchase earlier this week. So ever since I was a little kid, I wanted a beanbag. And that never went away. And as I became an adult, I wanted an adult-sized beanbag. But I don't know if you guys have ever priced those extra large adult-sized beanbags. They are ridiculous. I mean, when you consider what you're getting, really, I mean, it's it's a bunch of cut-up foam. It's probably like, um, you know, like cast-offs of a, of a mattress, like the extra foam that they cut out of a mattress, you know, chopped up and thrown inside a base, basically a giant pillowcase, right? But they are really expensive. I mean, I have seen some that are $1,000 or more. I mean, they generally run for a good size, you know, one or two person beanbag adult, um, about $300, $400, something like that, which still, I think, is crazy. But I have still have always wanted one, and I almost got one last year um they were one of the places that sells them um i think it's called ultimate sack (laughs) they they were i kept seeing the ads last year you know probably because google heard me mention it so i had kept seeing the ads every time i was online and last year they were having a sale and it brought it down from like 300 to like 250 and yes that's better but still and kind of put it out of my mind, you know, but the other day, out of nowhere, without having recently voiced my my love of beanbags, I got an email from Ultimate Sack saying like, biggest sale of the year, don't miss out, blah, blah, blah. I went and looked 
And a beanbag, a two-person adult beanbag that is normally $400 was 50% off. And it came with the matching ottoman, which is in itself normally $50. So what would have normally cost me $450, I got for $199. And I, I couldn't resist. It was like my childhood dream come true. Immediately ordered it. I got it really quickly, actually. I think it came in like two days. Free shipping, FedEx. And it comes and it's in this giant box, right? I mean, I don't know. It said it was like compressed. So I was thinking it was going to come kind of like my mattress, which, yes, it was a big box for a mattress, but it was manageable for one person. Well, this box was not. This box was huge. I barely got it through my door. I thought I was going to have to drag it in through the garage, but I, I got it through the front door get it in, unbox it, follow the, the instructions because a whole bunch of stuff you actually have to do because it does come compressed. And it starts to expand. Like as soon as you take it out of the sealed bag, it starts to expand. The foam does. And you have to quickly get it into its <laughs> pillowcase, for lack of a better term, into its cover. Quickly get it in there before it fully expands. So I'm doing that. And then you you know, have to do all this other stuff. And I'm watching this thing getting bigger and bigger. And I'm kind of laughing to myself because now it's starting to look like the Stave Puff Marshmallow Man from the Ghostbusters movie. I mean, it is just expanding quickly. Here's the problem. It was downstairs in the living room. It was supposed to go upstairs in the bedroom. If I had not opened the box downstairs, I might have been able to do what I did with the treadmill, which was basically kind of lift it one step at a time. But once it was out of its sealed package and expanding, now it was like this very heavy blob. I tried very hard to get it up the stairs and I could not. <laughs> I couldn't. I couldn't push it up the stairs. I couldn't pull it up the stairs. It is so heavy. It's like like a giant bag of jello. It's so heavy. And then of course it doesn't keep its shape. So you're trying to kind of roll it. And as you rolling it up the stairs, it's just kind of flopping over to the other side. It was a nightmare. So it's in my living room. I still haven't sat in it because you have to wait a couple of days for it to fully expand. I'm getting a little scared because it is, <laughs> it is still getting bigger. It is obnoxious how big this thing is. I can't wait to sit in it. I have big plans when I actually do get to sit in it of, you know, uh, reading a book or probably, I mean, let's be honest, I'm just going to take a nap in it. I can't wait. But until then, it is it has become Oliver's cat bed. <laughs> and it's, it's ridiculous. It's like he sits in it and he's, he's this tiny little black speck in the middle of this giant, you know, sea of foam and crushed velvet. He loves it, of course. I'm glad he loves it. I didn't plan on spending $200 on a cat bed, but... 
here we are. If at some point I am able to get it up the stairs, I I don't know how that would be possible. I don't know, maybe someday I'll have brute strength and I'll be able to do it myself. But I would actually like it in the bedroom, but <laughs> we'll see. It It might be, you know, part of the living room furniture now, a large, obnoxious piece of living room furniture, but super comfortable. Can't wait to take a nap. TV podcast recommendations. The podcast I'm listening to this week is called The Murdoch Murders, which centers around the murders of Maggie and Paul Murdoch on June 7th, 2001. And as they start to investigate these murders, they realize that there are possibly three additional deaths that are also connected. It's hosted by Mandy Matney. She is the news editor at fitnews.com, and she's been covering the Murdoch family since a 2019 boat crash that killed Paul Murdoch's girlfriend. Her name was Mallory Beach. Complicating the investigation is the fact that the Murdoch family has been a politically powerful family within the South Carolina District Attorney's Office for three generations. This podcast is so good. It is full of twists and turns, and it's like wherever you look into the investigation, they find another crime. I'm really liking this one. Um, It's not been out that long. I think there's about... 15 episodes. I'm I'm binging it. I'm already on episode 10. They're short. They're only about 30 minutes each and really interesting. Again, it's called The Murdoch Murders and it's spelled M-U-R-D-O-U-G-H. So it's not spelled how it sounds, but look for it. If you like true crime, you will like this one. And I also started the new season of Love Life on HBO Max this weekend. I went back and watched season one first because it's been more than a year, I think, since season one came out. And I really liked um, season one. I I liked this series. It was the first season was with Anna Kendrick and it kind of goes through her love life over the span of, I think, six years, you know, kind of shows like all the guys she dated and you know where that kind of led her in her life and I really liked it I remember watching that at the time and I I'm almost positive that that show kind of sparked what I would talk about when I decided to finally get up the courage (laughs) to record a podcast I think anyway season two started um over the weekend There are three episodes out so far. This season stars William Jackson Harper. He played Cheaty on The Good Place. If you don't know what that is, that show, if you haven't watched it, you really should. It is so good. It is such a good show. I think it's available on Hulu. But Love Life is on HBO Max only. Like I said, three seasons are out already and then new seasons will, new um, episodes will come up each week. So far, it's good. I love him. So I may be a little bit biased, but so far I am liking it. Oh, I also finished uh, season three of You. Oh, it was intense this season. Uh, The last three episodes, I was like (laughs) on my couch with the blanket over me you know, because it's getting chilly here. And yeah, I know it's Florida. It still gets chilly. With the blanket over me, like 
knees up to my chin, kind of holding my breath, eyes wide open. It was intense. It was really good. Really good. I do not know if there will be a season four, but if it ends with three, I'll be satisfied. And to kind of counteract the uh, intensity of you, I started already. This is a little early in the season for me, but I already started watching corny Christmas movies. I cannot help it. I, I'll be scrolling through and I'll see one and it's uh, it's bad now because it's kind of getting to the point where I've seen most of them. Like I, I go to start it and then instead of say, saying watch movie, it is giving me the option to restart. So I don't know what's worse, that I've already seen it or that I don't remember <laughs> that I've already seen it. But there's, you know, there's always more. They're like, they churn them out every year. I considered subscribing to the Hallmark channel, but honestly, between Prime, Netflix, and Hulu, I I should be safe with, you know, plenty of choices. But I watched one the other day that wasn't that bad, actually. It was called Dear Christmas. It's about a podcaster who does a weekly podcast about finding true love, but who hasn't been able to find her own true love. No, that's not why I watched it, but I, as I'm saying it, I could see why you would think that. Anyway, she goes home for Christmas and ends up crossing paths with a man that she went to high school with. Through a series of events, they keep running into each other and spending more time together, which of course leads him to confessing that he had had a crush on her in high school. And she, of course, has no memory of him from high school. Jason Priestley plays the forgotten classmate and the uh, love podcaster is played by Melissa Joan Hart. I didn't hate it. You know, it, it kind of hits all the marks that make a typical corny holiday movie, you know, mishaps, miscommunication, the female lead being a complete klutz at some point and, you know, falling and being caught mid-fall by the love interest, kooky side characters. I noticed that a lot of these movies have the same actors in them, which, you know, most of the time is fine. To be honest, if you see one of them that stars like... Cameron, um, what's her name? Candace Cameron Bure. She does a lot of good ones. Um, and often you get like uh, dearly departed Alan Thicke playing her dad, you know, a little wink to um, whatever show her brother was in. And Hillary Burton plays in a lot of these. She is such a good actress. I cannot understand why I don't see her in things outside of like Lifetime or Hallmark movies. I love her. I, if you've seen any of these movies, I guarantee you know who she is. She's the tall, thin blonde with the giant blue eyes. She's so like natural in these. Really, really good. I mean, honestly, even if I've seen the movie, if she's in it, I will watch it again. That's how much I like her. Anyway, back to Dear Santa, Dear Christmas, whatever it was called. I probably, I didn't hate it, but I probably would have enjoyed it more if I hadn't been so distracted by Melissa Joan Hart, who is so Botoxed, only her lower lip moves. And I am not kidding. That is no exaggeration. I mean, I get it. She works in a highly competitive 
highly superficial industry. And, you know, she's not 18 anymore. I think she's, I think she's like 40. She's mid 40s, 45, 44, something like that. But come on. If she was the world's greatest actress, I probably wouldn't care. But she isn't. And her face doesn't move. It is so distracting. To It's like almost unsettling. Like when she laughs or anything, and all you see is kind of like her bottom teeth. Ugh. It was weird. All right, now that you're all caught up on my week, let's get into this week's topic. We're back. So this week, like I said, emotional week. Did you guys ever feel like you're right on the edge of something, but you can't quite get there? That's kind of how I've been feeling all week. You know, emotional, weepy, annoyed, sometimes angry, but also these feelings of like anticipation, like something is changing. I feel like I'm coming to the end of a chapter, a a karmic cycle, and another is starting. Just to, to make this clear, this is not based on any actual evidence. I I haven't gotten a new job offer or a promotion, and I definitely haven't met anyone new. The only thing I can liken it to is like the night before high school graduation, you know, like big things are coming and you're excited about them and you're ready for them. But you're also sad and maybe a little scared for whatever comes next. And this week, I found that I was more focused on the ending than on whatever is coming next. And it's made me sad. But endings don't have to be bad. An article I found in Greater Good magazine said that even when endings are sad, they also seem to have a clarifying effect, one that often highlights the good. Research is exploring just how powerful endings can be for our well-being, suggesting that by simply imagining that things are coming to an end, a stage of our lives, um, our time in a certain place, a job, a relationship, we may be able to better appreciate them before real ending actually happens. In 2017, A study was published in the Journal of Positive Psychology, where 140 college freshmen were recruited for a month-long experiment. Half of them were instructed to live that month as if it were their last in their college town, paying attention to the special people and places they would miss when they left. The other half, the control group, simply went about their days as usual. Each week, the students journaled about how they had spent their time. When they compared the control group to the group that was, you know, living it as if they were leaving the town, the group who imagined they were leaving soon increased in well-being. This study suggests that imagining endings is a sneaky way to increase happiness. One of the reasons why this may be true is when we focus on the ending, the things you do leading up to it take on more meaning. 
It allows us to prioritize social connections, which is, you know, a great deal of research has shown that that can increase our well-being. Like when you know summer is ending soon and you squeeze in a few more beach days with your friends while you still can. A day at the beach is never a bad idea. You want to know what the best part of a beach day is? It's not the sun or the sand or even the gorgeous water, although all of those things in themselves are great. The best part of a beach day is coming home, taking a shower to get all the sand off of you, putting on your most comfortable tea, and taking a nap. No covers needed because your skin is still warm from the day in the sun. Oh, that is the king of naps. That is the goal of every beach day, or it should be. Endings are supposed to be sad, right? I mean, at least bittersweet, but they don't have to be. It's kind of like, you know, like when you go on vacation, you want to have fun and, you know, for the moments that you're there to be meaningful. But when it's over, aren't you also happy to be home again? That first night back home, doesn't everyone say the same thing? Ah, it's good to be back in my own bed. It doesn't mean you had a bad vacation. I think part of where my fear is coming from is that I'm not quite sure what is ending. And I definitely don't know what is coming. I'm feeling it. I'm seeing it in my dreams. I'm getting signs through music and even TV shows I watch. I keep hearing the same phrase, end of a cycle. And yes, I know every ending is a new beginning and that should be exciting. And I am sort of excited. I think I would just be more excited if I knew what was coming. I finally realized towards the end of the week that Endings aren't bad because endings can also mean closure. And isn't that what we are always after? How many times have you ended something and you get stuck because you keep telling yourself, I need answers. I need to understand why I need closure. Closing cycles is important. It allows us to move forward and not get stuck. Oh, please understand. I'm not talking about loss. There is a difference between loss and a cycle ending. Yes, closing major chapters in your life can be sad, the ending of a relationship, changing careers, but that is not the same as the pain of true loss. So what exactly is a karmic cycle? Well, in its most basic term, life is a karmic cycle. All the ups and downs, emotional highs and lows, great times and hard times, these are all karmic cycles. A lot of the times you hear karma associated with something bad, like when you see a bad person getting their punishment, you may think to yourself, ah, yes, bad karma. She's a real bitch. But karma in and of itself isn't good or bad. It just is. Karma, just like everything else, is just energy. What you put out comes back to you. Cultures where karma is prominent 
believe that it carries from one life to another, that if you don't work out your stuff in this life, you'll just have to deal with it again in the next life. Now, here's where I may lose you, those who don't believe in reincarnation, and that's okay. I respect your beliefs. I do believe in reincarnation because we are all energy and energy cannot be destroyed. It can only be converted. And because I do believe in reincarnation, I'm going to do everything I can to work out my shit in this lifetime. Worst case scenario, reincarnation isn't a thing and this is all there is. Well, then I guess I've lived a pretty good life of learning from my mistakes and trying to do better. I could think of a lot worse things. The important thing to remember is that closing a karmic cycle plays a direct role in your future. No matter what the cycle is, family, romantic relationships, friendships, financial, if it stays open or we fight or deny the ending, we're not allowing ourselves to learn to grow, to evolve. We often tend to get stuck in cycles because they're familiar. It's what we know. And even when it's bad, that familiarity brings us comfort. I know that's a big reason for me. Even when it was bad, I stayed because I found comfort in the routine. I knew I wasn't happy and that it wasn't healthy for either one of us if I stayed, but staying meant I knew what was coming. And I preferred that over the unknown. Ending my last relationship was terrifying. And for months, I went back and forth on whether I even wanted to end it. You know, like, if I end it, I don't know what's coming next. Or what if there is never another relationship? Or just... You know, I thought maybe I could ignore my own needs and happiness because that would have been easier than starting all over again at 49. I used to tell myself that it would be easier if I hated him or if he had been abusive, then ending the relationship, you know, would be easy. How messed up is that? My own happiness, peace of mind and mental well-being wasn't enough of a priority for me. I was looking for abusive behavior to justify ending my relationship. Because I hold the key to my happiness, I can choose to look at this ending not as something sad or scary, but as a reward. If I'm right and a karmic cycle is truly ending, it means I've learned the lessons of that cycle. And I won't move forward making the same painful mistakes I've made in the past. I'm not the same person I was two years ago, or even a year ago. I've learned from my mistakes. I've grown. And I am more patient and more accepting now. I'm no longer threatened by other people's success. I don't feel the need to compete with anyone. I don't get defensive or even defeated when criticized. Now, before you start thinking I'm some highly evolved being who isn't bothered by anything, I am still human. I suffer setbacks, but I'm growing. What's the saying? Something like, I may not be where I want to be, but I'm no longer where I used to be. I'll take that. The closing out of a cycle is a good thing, even if we don't know what's coming next. Because as we all know, 
If you don't learn, the lessons just get harder and harder to get through. And before you know it, you're stuck in a never-ending cycle of negative behaviors and outcomes. So now that I've acknowledged that some kind of karmic cycle is ending, I want to make sure I do it right. I don't want to carry anything that I don't need into this new beginning. I want to move forward with as little baggage as possible. First, I had to take responsibility for my own actions and what got me into the cycle in the first place. Good example, I don't hate my ex-husband, although it would be easy if I did. I could just blame him for everything that went wrong, focus on the one thing at the end of our marriage that happened and say, that's what broke us. Or I could take responsibility for the part I played the things I did and said that caused him pain. I can choose to learn from them so I don't repeat those behaviors, and then I can move on. It was facing my part in my marriage ending that allowed me to let go of the hurt and anger. So no, I don't hate him. Not anymore. He may still have some negative feelings for me, and that's okay. That's his karma. After you take responsibility for your actions, then it's time to clean out the clutter in your life, the things and the people that you are holding on to that no longer serve you as you transition into your next cycle. When it comes to things, if you're holding on to them because you might need them, you know, quote unquote, someday, remember, there is someone out there that could use them today. Clean out the clutter. It's holding you back. And people too. If there are people in your life bringing you negativity, when you hold onto them, you're just hopping onto another negative hamster wheel. Once you remove the clutter and stop the negative behaviors, replace them by doing things that feel good to you. Create positive patterns and responses that will sustain you when times get tough and times will get tough. When you spend your time doing things you love, It gives you strength, and it puts positive energy out into the universe. Remember, what you put out comes back threefold. And keeping that in mind, do your best to keep a positive attitude when, because the law of universe tells us that we attract what we focus on. If you focus on the negative, then that is what will come back to you. And don't just think positive, do positive. The easiest way to break a pattern is to do something different. If you do good things, good things happen. When it comes to karma, every good thought and deed counts. Nothing is too small to make a difference. Keeping that in mind, even though I'm feeling sad and a little scared about this cycle coming to an end, I'm choosing to move forward with optimism and trust that whatever comes next is going to be great. The ending of a karmic cycle means I've learned the lesson. On to the next lesson. All right, guys, I'm going to wrap up this week's episode. Thanks for coming back for episode 64. Don't forget, join the Facebook group, like the Facebook page, 
And follow me on Instagram at JennyJoy316. That is Jenny with an I, in case you needed a reminder. Also, guys, I haven't mentioned this in a while. If you listen on Apple Podcasts, please rate, review, and subscribe. It is important. It does make a difference. It only takes you a second, and I would really appreciate it. If you like the podcast, tell your friends and then tell them to listen because that's the important part. If you have questions or topic suggestions, you can email me at my so-called midlife podcast at gmail.com. All right, guys. Thanks for listening. Until next time. Love you. Bye.